0: Americans today are filled with more stress, worry, and anxiety than ever before. Just because our days, weeks, and schedules are full doesn't mean we are. In this series entitled March Madness, we encourage you to lean in as we discuss how to have a meaningful
1: life filled with peace and purpose amidst all the madness.
0: All right, how's City First on this wonderful Sunday? Come on, let me hear you, happy being church? Yeah, I'm happy to be here too. I wanna welcome all of our City First Church family right now, let's give it up for Cape Coral, Florida. Also the state line location at the Hananiga Performing Arts Center and Dixon and Hardy got behind bars. Thank you guys for joining us, we love you guys. And also everyone join us online and on TV. And I wanna say a big happy birthday to Dixon, God Behind Bars. They turned three this week, all right? We have had this location now for three years. That's pretty amazing. Now this deserves a huge round of applause. In the last three years, we have recorded, bona fide recorded, all right? 682 men that have said they made Jesus the leader and the forgiver of their lives. 682, that's amazing. So great. And so, we are now uh, in this series called March Madness, and we're talking about how things in our lives can create madness in our minds, all right? And uh, there's a lot of madness going on right now in our culture and our world, and a lot of people are battling through things. And I believe with all my heart that God has an answer to the madness. Last week, I talked about stress, and we talked about, uh, you know, basement thinking versus upstairs thinking. And uh, next week, week we're going to talk about worry and fear, and this week I'm going to talk about anxiety, all right? And uh, we did this last week, so I figured, you know what, why don't we do this every week? I'm going to start off my talk with some memes, all right? So let's look at some memes on anxiety, all right? Here's the first one. This is when someone asks you how your night went, and you're like, well, didn't get much sleep, but I did get a few hours of anxiety in, right? right. Some of you can relate. How about this one here? One does not simply enter a room and interact with people. Those of you that are maybe a little introverted, you say a big amen to that one, right? Also, here's another one, number three. Anxiety says, What if this happens? Me. But it won't. Anxiety, but what if it does? Me? You got me there, right? Some of you think that way. All right, this is for those of you that are essential oils fans. I heard lavender relieves stress and calms anxiety. Me, right? (laughs) That's you. Uh, Also, the last one is this. Pretty much explains my life. Some of you can relate. So last week we talked about our brains, that literally our brains have upstairs thinking and downstairs thinking. And upstairs is where we focus on the meaningful things of life. We think rationally downstairs is where we get in our emotions, and many times we will ruminate on all the things that could happen or bad things that are happening. And I would just say, if for some reason you were not able to make it last weekend, uh, go to our YouTube channel, go to our website, cityfirst.church, or download our app and watch it. And here's the reason why. had many, many comments about last week as being super helpful and super beneficial especially in a very stressful environment that we live in. And I'm going to build upon last week's talk. And so it's important that you maybe learn about what we talked about last week. But even if you didn't hear it, you're going to be able to join right in. This week I'm going to talk about anxiety. And I want to start off by making something really clear. And that is this, that uh, some of us listening in today at all of our locations, we deal with what they would call chronic anxiety. In other words, there is an, an anxiousness that's kind of always with you or periodically with you. Um, also, there are those of you that maybe you don't deal with chronic anxiety, but you, you deal with kind of like a period of anxiety. Maybe it's temporary. It's just a season. Uh, maybe something's going on in your workplace. Maybe something's going on in your marriage or in key relationships. Maybe um, your finances, your health, and there's, there's like a season of anxiety. Wherever we find ourselves, let me just say this, anxiety is a part of life. Um, it's, it's a part of our makeup that when we experience things on the exterior, um, that it many times kind of gives us some confusion on the interior in our minds and we start having anxious thoughts and things like that. So, uh, you know, the CDC says this on their website, says more than 50% of Americans will be diagnosed with a mental illness or disorder at some point in their lifetime. Think about that. It's over half, one out of every two of us, sometime in our lifetime, will be diagnosed with a mental disorder or an illness or a mental health issue, you could say. So right now, if maybe you're struggling with mental health, I will tell you today is definitely going to be a bullseye-like topic and, and message for you, so lean in. But I will also say this, if today you're going, I really don't deal with anxiety, I want you to listen in and take copious notes and here's the reason why. Because most likely someone in your sphere of influence is dealing with anxiety. It could be a spouse. It could be a child. It could be a parent, a brother, a sister, a best friend, a co-worker or a fellow student. Someone statistically speaking is dealing with it. They may not admit it but they're dealing with it and you can help be the solution. You can help in their journey. So either way, we believe this, that Jesus created the mind. Jesus created your mind and my mind. He created us, and we should listen to what he and the Bible has to say about anxiety. So if you have your Bibles, turn open to to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. As you're turning there in Philippians chapter 4, or you're going to watch on the screens, we're going to have it up there. If you don't own a Bible, we want to get you one. Uh, If you're one of our physical locations, just go to the Next Step booth. And uh, on the way out and say, I don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. Or you can download an app that I suggest all of you, 100% of you download. It's called YouVersion, Y-O-U, YouVersion. And it is a Bible app. I use it all the time. And it is super helpful. So um, that way you could always have your Bible with you. All right. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6. Let's go ahead and read. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, I want to read that again. And when I point at you at every location, when I point, I want you to say the next word in the sentence. All right? So let's try this. All right? Do not be anxious about But in situation by prayer and petition with? Present your requests to God. There are some very, very specific things in this verse that we're going to talk about today. But I will say this, if you've ever dealt with anxiety, you've probably, if you're a person of faith or you're curious about faith or been around people of faith, you probably have heard this verse, some version of it maybe. Because this is the most famous verse in the Bible about anxiety, literally. In fact, if you Google anxiety and Bible or anxiety and faith, nine out of 10 times in your results, you're going to have this verse pop up. In fact, this verse has been used hundreds of thousands of times to help people who deal with anxiety. But most people don't realize this. As the Apostle Paul is writing this letter, and this, by the way, originally was a letter. It's not a book. It was a letter to a church in Philippi, in the region of Philippi. He wrote this verse, but actually he wrote an entire letter, and really he starts talking about anxiety two verses ahead of this. So we always look at verse 6, but really he starts talking about it in verse 4. So let me rewind a moment and go into verse 4 for a minute. It says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now some of you are like going, well, he's not talking about anxiety. No, he's teeing up the ball for verse six. You hear this? He's teeing up the ball. He doesn't start thinking about anxiety in verse six. He starts talking about it in verse four. And we're gonna talk about this today because again, let me say this, If you are dealing with anxiety or you know somebody who is, whether it's chronic or short term anxiety, you got to start in verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. If you have a physical Bible, underline that sentence because when you are in an anxious moment, you feel very alone. The Lord is near. Then he parlays into the famous verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What will happen? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Some of you, you memorize, if you grew up in Sunday school, a different version. Peace that passes all understanding. Will guard your hearts. Will guard your hearts will stand guard to your heart, also to your mind. So therefore, peace will be like the the security guard that is guarding your heart and is guarding your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, in this verse, there are some elements and some steps that we are going to dissect today that's gonna be very helpful if you deal with anxiety. If you are dealing with anxiety, now listen to my words, dealing with anxiety. Why I say dealing with is because if you put these steps into play that I'm gonna give you today, you're not gonna have an instantaneous cure to anxiety. And I wanna make that very clear because for those of you that deal with anxiety, if you've ever had anybody give you a simple answer to the complex stuff going on in your head, it almost is borderline offensive, right? It's like, it's like, you know, if you're going through an anxious moment, and somebody looks at you and says, well, just don't be anxious. Okay. <laughs> and I don't want to be that guy today because I don't think the Bible is signaling that the steps I'm going to give you is an instantaneous cure, like God doinks you on the head with a magic wand, and all of a sudden, boom, all anxiety is gone. No, instead, as you put into practice these steps, over and over and over again, you will begin to see a renewing of your mind, and you'll see the anxiety level begin to go down over time because it's not just a one-time prayer. And it's not just a reading your Bible one time, and all of a sudden all the anxiety goes away. It's a process. In fact, on the count of three, let's all say the word process. Ready, one, two, three. It is so important that you understand that. Because it is a process of renewing your mind, getting your thoughts out of the basement, and into the upstairs portion of your brain. And again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to last week's message. It will make more sense. Tell you a little story. In 2019, it was actually August in 2019. I was on a mission trip on the other side of the world with a, with a team, and and um, Jen was back here in Rockford. And uh, in August, received a text message from um, one of our best friends in the whole world. Uh, her name is Jill Johnson. She's married to Sean Johnson. Together they lead Red Rocks Church in Denver, Colorado, a dynamic church that runs thirteen, fourteen thousand 14000 people on a weekend. Um, Jill and Sean are very close friends with Jen and I. We vacation together. um, We hang out together. We talk. Um, In fact, they used to live here in Rockford. It's where they met. In fact, Sean uh, gave his life to Jesus literally right here in this auditorium. Um, He was on staff eventually here with me. And then also Jill was a teacher over at our school, Christian Life Schools. And they met here in Rockford, Illinois, got married, and uh, ended up a little over 15 years ago going out to Denver, launching out of here to go plant a church called Red Rocks. They started in a living room, and now it runs 13,000, 14,000 people on a weekend, and uh, just an amazing couple. Well, this text message from Jill said this, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically said, please pray for Sean. He's having an anxiety attack. I've never seen it this bad. Please pray, so we began to pray, obviously, And later on we found out, Jill told us, that Sean was driving down the highway in Denver, um, there on the west side of Denver, next to the mountains, and basically um, he pulled over his pickup truck. He got out of his pickup truck and he went up the embankment, up this hill, and he was having such a bad panic attack that he couldn't breathe, he thought he was gonna die. All the world was caving in on him. All he could do was call his wife, Jill, and said, you know, basically, come help me. And so immediately, Jill texted Jen and I and probably some other people, and, and they went on a search for him, and they found him on the side of the hill. And now you got to understand this. I mean, Sean's one of my closest friends, and he is a dynamic leader. Um, you, you don't take a church from your living room to run 14,000 people over a period of 15 years, if you don't have a mantle of anointing and leadership on your life, he is a dynamic leader. He is an amazing leader. Him and Jill are incredible leaders. They're amazing. But I'll tell you what happened. What happened is, is this, is life happened. Life happened. And then all of a sudden pressure happened. And after pressure happened, anxiety happened. And all the pressure of running a multi-million dollar church and, you know, all of the hundreds of staff and the thousands and thousands of people that are there and all the, all the critics and the trollers that, you know, always are saying stuff about us, megachurch pastors, all of the pressures, everything together began to cave in on Sean and he found himself in a place where all of a sudden it wasn't just one thing or five things or ten things but a hundred things started to crowd in on him. And it happens and some of you have had that happen too. In fact uh, in 2001 um, I remember having a series of panic attacks. Have you ever had a panic attack before you think you're gonna die, literally. And uh, I remember in 2001, I was the assistant youth pastor here, and I ran a program called the Leadership College. We now call it the Leadership College. And uh, I was super busy. We just literally had our second son, Connor. And, and the very same weekend that we were having, you know, Jen delivered our second son, I also uh, had, there was a huge transition of leadership. The senior leader of this church was leaving. Um, I was taken now over the entire youth ministry, which at the time was like, 850 people showing up on Wednesday nights. Uh, I'm, I'm all of a sudden. I just have another kid. For those of you who have kids, you know, when you have more than one kid, it's not addition. It's multiplication, right? You know. And, uh, and so the stress of that, and pretty soon, um, it started to cave in on me. And I remember one night, Jen and I were watching a, a show, an old show, some of you remember, it, called ER. It was our favorite show. we watched watch it every week. And I was laying on the couch, and we were watching ER. And ER, the whole premise of ER is people are dying. I mean, literally, you know? And so, anyway, they're, you know, like trying to resuscitate somebody. Clear! <laughs> clear. You know, and I'm watching this and all of a sudden the room just started to kind of come in on me. And I mean, I had all this like stress and stuff in my life. And, and I looked at Jen and I go, I go, turn it off, turn it off. And she's like, why? This is the good part. I'm like, no, turn it off, turn it off. And she turned it off. And I go, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't breathe. And all of a sudden, it was like the room was closing in. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was going to die. And I started to have this series of panic attacks. And it was really strange, because I've always been this, like, resilient leader. I've always been the person that's, like, lead the charge, um, you know, trying to be fearless. I've, I've been that person. All of a sudden, I found myself, what in the world? And, and you know, what happened is, is It wasn't one situation. It wasn't two things on my to-do list. It wasn't even 10 or 100 things. It was hundreds of things that, over the months, started to put weight on me. And pretty soon, I just crumbled. Like there was something that just literally inside of me snapped. And I was like, what? And I started to have these panic attacks. And I thought I was going to die. And I remember Jen didn't know what to do. And slowly, I began to um, reprogram my mind and my thinking. The Bible calls that as renewing the mind, taking ever, into captivity every thought and make it obedient to Christ, which is one of the verses. I began to do that, and by God's grace, I, I got over that. And by God's grace, Sean, even though you know there was like a really epic moment back in August, um, he got over that, and and you know he gave me permission to tell a story. By the way. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but, but I will tell you that when you are dealing with anxiety, there aren't simple answers, right? Like sometimes when people are dealing with anxiety, um, a simple answer is almost offensive. It's almost offensive. And today I'm going to do my darnest not to be like simplistic, but I am going to give you some simple steps. So ones that, that you can put handles on and that you can, you can actually leave here and beginning tomorrow morning you can put into practice. Again, you may not be dealing with anxiety. Take copious notes because someone in your life is. So, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about this, and, and we're talking about the fact that God knows how we're hardwired, and we need to really look at what he suggests. And these verses right here give us four steps, I believe, that we need to take if we're dealing with anxiety at any level. A little bit of anxiety or a lot of anxiety? The first one is this, worship. Worship. Now, now before you write this off as some Christianese answer, before you go, oh, Jer, that's so pastor-like of you to talk about worship, before you kind of write it off and go, all right, what about worship? No, we underestimate the impact of worship upon our lives and upon our world. We underestimate it. In fact, it says in Philippians 4.4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. You know, whether you are dealing with a little anxiety or a lot of anxiety, this is your first step. You must worship. And here's the reason why. Because sometimes you worship because you had a victory, and sometimes you worship because you need a victory. You hear the difference? So, sometimes you worship because you had one, and sometimes you worship because you need one. Some of the biggest battles I've ever fought in my life began with me in worship. Before I ever even got onto the battlefield, you could say. Before the battlefield of mine, the mind, before the situation, the problem, I had to worship. And here's the reason why. Because when you're dealing with a ton of anxiety, a Bieber is not going to help you a lot. Neither the are the eagles. See what I did there? I bridged all the age is, you know, eagles, Bieber, right? Okay. And everything in between. I mean, you got to understand, I don't care if you listen to Bieber. He's actually a good guy. I don't care if you listen to beaver. I don't care if you listen to the eagles. But at the end of the day, if you're in the middle of a battle in your mind, if there's anxiety, if there's all kinds of pressure, I'll tell you what you need. You need to change your playlist, and you need to get some worship inside of you. You need to, to drive in the car and listen to worship. You need to have worship playing on your echo. Say, Alexa. Play me some hillsong worship, whatever it is, all right? You gotta do that. And here's the reason why. Because worship is something that you war with. In other words, it is a weapon. It is not just something you do. When we come in here on Sundays and we're singing a few songs before the message, that's not just an appetizer or a warm-up or to buy time for everybody to park their car and put their kids in kid care. But rather instead, it is a time for us to literally focus out all the problems and focus in a God who is able, who's more powerful, who can resource you and give you strength. In the Old Testament, there's a story, and many of you grew up in church, you you know the story. The story of Jericho, it's the most fortified, the oldest city in the world at that time. had a couple of sets of walls around it. The children of God, the people of God are coming up to it. God by the name of Joshua is kind of their leader, their commander. And God says, I want you to take this city. The problem is is this, is that the the Israelites, the children of Israel, have been nomads for 40 years. They've been living on the backside of a desert. They're not warriors. They haven't been trained. They don't even have weapons. And they're going to take on the most fortified city in the world. That'd be like us sitting here today and going, okay, come on, city first. We're going to take out New York City. I mean, we'd be like, well, what, what? You know, I mean, there, it just there's just no way. I mean, right? We couldn't take it out because we wouldn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. So God said this. This is what I want you to do. I want you to put your priests, modern day version would be pastors, put your pastors in front of the army. That's not because God didn't like his pastors, all right? Does that make sense? But rather he said this, put them in front and give them trumpets and have them blow the trumpets. And when they blow the trumpets, a miracle is going to happen. And so, sure enough, they blew the trumpets. The walls supernaturally crumbled and went to the ground. The people of God rushed in and took the city. Now, you got to understand something. Historians don't believe these were normal war trumpets. Like if you ever watch a movie or seen pictures, you know, somebody's on horseback and they have a trumpet, like the army's there, and they're like, you know, and everybody like rushes in. It wasn't that kind of a trumpet. In fact, it wasn't a war trumpet, but rather instead the trumpets that we believe that the children of God used were actually worship instruments. They were actually worship trumpets. In other words, what did God do? He put his pastors up front, which probably they're the least qualified to be a soldier, right, up there, with worship instruments and said, I want you to worship before the battle even begins. And in the worship, something supernatural is gonna happen. What is God saying to us? Before you battle anxiety, fear, worry, you will worship. Worship first. And it's so important to do. I know some of us it's kind of like, what? Yeah. You know what? Instead of, of listening to just whatever is on the radio or whatever is on your you know playlist, on your iTunes or whatever. Why don't you listen to some worship right now if you're like, I'm in a moment of anxiety. See what happens. When you start proclaiming the fact that God is bigger than the fear that is raging inside of you, something amazing will happen. The second step is this prayer. Worship and prayer. Seems like a pretty typical sermon, right? But listen closely. Listen closely to what it says in verse 6. Because in verse 6 it says, that don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, prayer and petition, prayer and petition. Prayer and petition, isn't that the same thing? Like when you pray, don't you ask for things, right? So what's the difference here? What Paul is saying is there's two types of prayer. There's a regular prayer, and then there's a petition prayer. Two different types of prayer. So what you got to do first is you got to do the normal prayer, and that is this. That kind of prayer is a prayer of declaration. You're taking the word of God, and you're declaring it over your circumstances, over your mind games, over what's going on inside of you and around you. You take the word of God, and you declare it. You declare who God is and what he is going to do. For those of you that were here on First Wednesday, which, by the way, we had an amazing First Wednesday, so you need to show up to these. But when we were here on First Wednesday, um, you know, there was a time that I read Psalm 91 as a part of the service. I'm going to do part of Psalm 91 today, and I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you how to personalize the Scripture and make it a prayer. What you're going to see on the screen is the Scripture. What you're going to hear me say is a personalized prayer. What you're doing is, is you're taking the scripture and you're praying it back over your life. You know, with everything going on right now, whether it be the coronavirus, whether it be the economy, whether it be, you know, the the stock market is up and down, uh, whatever it is, I mean, whatever it is that's giving you anxiety, listen closely to this passage of scripture and how I personalize it. This is how you pray back the word of God. Psalm 91, when I dwell in the shelter of the Most High and rest in the shadow of the Almighty, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress in God in whom I trust. Surely He will save me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover me with His feathers and under His wings, I will find refuge. His faithfulness will be my shield and my rampart. I will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Because he loves Jeremy, says the Lord, because he loves me, I will rescue him. I will protect Jeremy I, because he acknowledges my name. Jeremy will call on me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver Jeremy and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy Jeremy and show him my salvation. You see how I personalize that? You see how I made the Word of God something for me? Or because this is the thing. The promises of God are for you just as much as they were for who wrote that back thousands of years ago God wants to be your shield he wants to protect you from the pestilence he wants to be the one that covers you he wants to be the one that delights in you you understand that so this is the thing personalize it pray the word of God declare who he is then the third step is this petition now this is one I'm not going to take a long time on because I think we got this one down like we go to God all the time and ask him for things right? There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. There's nothing wrong with going to God and saying, God, I need peace. I need strength. I need financial provision. I need, I need restoration. I need your, 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 your strength. I need salvation. Whatever it is, you know what? It's okay to ask God for things. In fact, this is the thing. My kids ask me for things all the time, and it's normal. It's what kids do. It's like built into their psyche. Dad, can I get 20 bucks, right? Listen, in the same way, we can go to our heavenly father and we can ask him for things. God, give me favor as I go to this job interview. God, I pray that you would help heal my sister. God, I I pray that you would provide in this area, whatever it is, God, reach my neighbors. I mean, whatever it is, it's okay to do. In fact, the psalmist, King David, he, he wrote this in, in, in chapter 21, verse 2. He said this, the king, meaning himself, he was the king at this time, he's talking in third person. The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in victories you give. You've granted him his heart's desire, which means David's going, you've granted me my heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. In other words, of my lips so god wants to hear requests now you got to pray according to his will though like right now somebody's driving you crazy at work you can't be like god help helping to get a flat tire on the way home okay i don't think that's god's will but you know what i think is god's will that you don't deal with anxiety that anxiety doesn't own you i don't think it's god's will that anxiety owns you so therefore you pray the will of god over your life that god frees you so again worship, prayer, petition. Last point is this, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. You know, sometimes we just bring complaints to God, but what we really should be bringing is thanksgiving. This is how we get our thoughts out of the basement, like I talked about last week. It's hard, so hard, almost impossible to be anxious and thankful at the same time. Try to be anxious and thankful at the same time, I dare you, (laughs) right? You see, we are to give thanks in all circumstances, it says in 1 Thessalonians. I know somewhere you're thinking, you're like, all circumstances? Like I lose my job? How am I gonna be thankful for losing my job? Well, this is how you pray back to God. You say, thank you, Jesus, because I believe a better job is on the way. Or maybe you say, I'm sick right now. How can I thank him for being sick? Well, you say this, thank you, Jesus, but by your stripes, I am declared healed. Or maybe this one, when they have an unexpected expense, your furnace goes out or yells you in Florida, your air conditioning goes out, all right, it's gonna be extra expense. You say, God, thank you because you promise that you will supply all my needs. If someone betrays you, you say, Thank you, Jesus, because you stick closer than a brother. And even though this person has hurt me, you will never hurt me. You see, you thank him, right? Thank him. Like, is anybody here dead? No? Good. Okay. Then thank him for being alive. Get breath. Were you able to be here today? See, there's people watching right now, some of my friends that are watching online and on TV right now, and, and they, they can't be here for one reason or another. And they would tell us, be grateful that you could be in the house. So be thankful. Were you able to eat something today? Were you were able to eat a, you know, an apple, a donut a bagel at one food group Starbucks I mean what you know what I mean were you able well then be thankful I don't see anybody naked here today which is a good thing by the way okay because otherwise security would escort you out but you know what that means you got clothes be thankful I know some of you are like going well it's not the right kind of clothes hey I know it's not the label you want or maybe it's not as new as you want but you have clothes so be thankful be thankful that someone cares about you. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for what God has done. Worship, prayer, petition, thanksgiving. Worship, prayer, petition, thanksgiving. Steps. Worship, prayer, petition, thanksgiving. I know some of you are like, well, okay, it's easier said than done. Well, it's kind of like working out. If you ever worked out before, you don't just go, you know, and, and, and bench press, and you do it one time, and all of a sudden you turn into a physical phenom, all right? But rather, what do you got to do? You got to keep going back, and you keep doing reps. So this is the reps I want you to do. Worship, prayer, petition, thanksgiving. Worship, prayer, petition, thanksgiving. What comes of it? peace that passes all understanding. Guarding your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Every time you do these reps, you're creating a guard from anxiety, from worry. doesn't mean it all the way goes away. And trust me, anxiety, worry, all those things keep on attacking. But the more you do it, the stronger you get. Remember I said it wasn't going to be just a one-time decision. It's going to be repetition, worship, prayer, petition, thanksgiving. When I called Sean this week, we actually created this message together. The sermon was co-created with uh, Sean Johnson. And at the end of it, I said this. I go, we're going to end in a worship song. So that's what we're going to do. I built in a little bit of time here, a couple of minutes for us to worship before we leave. And I said, before we worship, Sean, I'd like to just tell City First, what would you say if you were standing on this stage and going through everything you've gone through in the last six to eight months? What would you say to those people dealing with anxiety at every level, small, medium, and large levels? What would you say? This is what he said. He goes, tell them this. You're not crazy. You're not going crazy. Some of you think you're going crazy because you're dealing with a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress from work, family, health, whatever. You're not going crazy. Number two, you're not alone. He said, tell them you're not alone because when you're in the middle of the anxiety hurricane that's going on in your mind, you feel all alone. Not alone. Also, he said, three, it will change for the better. It's going to change. In fact, don't make any permanent decisions based upon the temporary feelings that you're feeling right now. You hear that? That's something I tell people all the time. Don't make any permanent decisions based upon the temporary feelings. It's going to change. It's going to change for the better. Fourth thing he said is, it's not the end you are not at the end of the road that God has a bright future there are solutions that he will help you you got to do these reps though worship pray petition Thanksgiving so if you do your part God's gonna do his part now we're gonna sing a worship song to close and as we do that for some of you this worship moment is not just a time of singing. You're gonna war with worship. You're gonna go to war with worship. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're you're gonna use this as a battle. That, that, That this is a moment that you're going, God, I'm gonna step into worship and I'm gonna exalt you above all of the madness All of the stuff that's swirling in my mind and in my heart right now, I'm bringing you above it because guess what? You're the solution. You're the source. You are my strength. You are the one that is the rescuer. I'm going to bring you up out of all of this mess. Instead of focusing on the mess, I'm going to get out of the basement and I'm going to focus my thinking on you as my solution and my provider and my savior. And so in a moment here, as we worship, Don't just worship with passivity, worship with passion, right? So come on, stand to your feet. No one leaving unless it's an absolute emergency. We got a little bit of time here. We're going to sing a song, and this is how we do our battling. This is how we do our war. Our war is a spiritual war. Our war is not a physical war. We are warring against principalities and powers, the Bible says, in high places. Worship begins to prepare us for the battle. It begins to do a supernatural work inside of us. So, Lord, right now I pray in the name of Jesus that God you would come into this place and this space and the Lord your anointing would fall and I pray that God we get our eyes on you our focus on you the provider the rescuer the one that is our Savior we love you in Jesus name amen let's go ahead and sing
2: That he goes before us, that he surrounds us, that he makes a way when there otherwise would be no way. And so as a church, we choose to set our minds on Jesus. We choose to put our hope in Jesus. We choose that we're not going to walk around with the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind because of Jesus. This is how we fight our battles. Church, would you go ahead and... Close your eyes, bow your heads. We wanna take a moment and as we're singing about God being our way maker. And as this is how we fight our battles is through him. Maybe you've been trying to fight battles on your own, make a way for yourself. Maybe you've never made Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life. And we wanna give you an opportunity to do that today. If you're in the place and you believe that Jesus is who He says He is, He died on the cross, rose again to forgive us of our sins, and not just to forgive us, but to allow us to live a life that is full and a victorious life. If you want to make that decision today, we want to invite you to do that. And if that's you, would you go ahead and just slip up your hand and say, I no longer want to try to guide my own life, but I want to make Jesus the leader of my life. There's hands going up all over the place. I see your hand in the front, and in the back, anybody else? And over here on the side, best decision that you will ever make, best decision I have ever made. Amazing, you can go ahead and put your hands down and I'm gonna ask everybody to pray this prayer with us so that nobody feels like they're doing this alone. But let's all pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for your forgiveness I choose to make you the leader and forgiver of my life. In your name I pray, amen.